0: Good morning and welcome to Storehouse 7 Ministries with me, Chris Wickland. I pray you're doing well. Uh, last episode finished rather abruptly, and so I'm going to carry on from uh, just prior to where it ended. Uh, and we had to make a reference to Daniel chapter 7, referring to this last beast system. It's the fourth beast. And uh, and where does that come from? Well, the fourth beast system is, is mentioned in the book of uh, Daniel. So let's have a quick look at that now. Daniel chapter 7, verses twenty. 23 to 25. Thus, he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms. And I'd like to parenthesis by the fact, by saying it probably will not be the Roman Empire then, or, or resurrection of the Roman Empire, because this kingdom will be not like any other kingdom that's ever been before it. And it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise and another will arise and after them and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law and they will be given into his hand for a time times and half a time, i.e. three and a half years of the seven year tribulation, the second half. Because these ten horns and these kings don't uh, exist in past history or even current and really cannot do so until the very end of the age, I'm not going to waste time speculating on this matter any further in respect to you know when the, who who is the is, is there anything going on in the world right now that that this 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 describes the current you know uh potential beast etc because in all of history i mean the early church always stated that when the when the antichrist is revealed um, and the 10 Kings, uh, you know, give their power to the beast. Then the Antichrist is kind of revealed. Um, now I just need to quickly parenthesis this with uh, a verse from 2nd Thessalonians So just find it for you. And this is from chapter two, verse three onwards. And it says, let no one deceive you in any way. And this is talking about the day of the Lord. It says for that day, or or the day of Jesus revealing where we go, let's just wind it back. It says, look, as to the coming of our Lord, this is from verse one, as to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, okay? So he's following on from the end of the first letter, uh, which is talking about the resurrection of the dead and then after resurrection of the dead, then what we call the rapture takes place and those that still remain behind will be taken up to meet those in the air. Who are those? The ones that just got raised from the dead. So as to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and being gathered together with him, We beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Now, listen to this. This is very, very important that we look at this because this goes against the pre-trib model here. It says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. In other words, for those that believe that the church will be out of here, um, you know, before all the bad stuff happens, it's very plain and clear here. Paul is very clear. Hey, guys. Um, before we get taken up and gather with the Lord, then you need to be aware that the Antichrist will be revealed and the great rebellion must come first. And so if you're pre-trib in your model, um, this this raises um, a problem for you. So. We need to pay attention to the fact that this fourth B system will be unlike the other beasts. The fourth B system will be radically different in form from previous manifestations in history, which is really important to note. So, you know, we speculate that this government could be the B system, etc. But to be quite frank with you. Pretty much every government that's around even now is pretty much, yeah, well, that's kind of like this government, you know, like, for example, the American government with its Senate and all that kind of stuff is very much based on the Roman system. And so you could say, you know, America is the great whatever. And okay, but whatever this fourth empire is going to look like, it's going to look radically different from anything that's ever been before in history. And we need to bear that in mind when we are looking at current daily events to see if you know could this be the antichrist etc so revelation 17:13 it says these 10 kings have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast Now, it is believed that the Antichrist will receive will receive great power in the end of days. Nations will literally hand over their authority to him, allowing him to become a very, very powerful man. And it is from the place of this power in the natural as well as his satanic power that he will become one of the most, if not the most powerful man in living history. Revelation 17:14 These will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings So these 10 kings under the authority uh, of the antichrist will seek to wage war against the lamb so what does this mean and what does this look like uh, well firstly through legislation we saw in daniel seven twenty five. it says he will speak against the most high and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws the holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time times and half a time now one of the ways um, that will that he will wage war against the lamb and his people will be through legislation. The changing of laws. According to first Maccabees, Antiochus Epiphanes forced the Jews to eat pork, not observe Sabbath, desecrated the holy temple with pig's blood and erected an idol of a false God in the most holy place. Also, circumcision was banned and any form of worship to the one true God was banned. Reading the scriptures was banned, and living a life according to the scriptures was banned. Anyone caught doing anything that hinted at godliness according to the scriptures, they were put to death under Antiochus Epiphanes. And so through that gentleman, Antiochus Epiphanes, we get a clear picture of how brutal and cruel the Antichrist will be, uh, both to Jew and Christian. And we know that it will be both as the scriptures tell us so in Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 and 17 persecuting the saints in this way will be how the beast system will wage war against the lamb by hurting jesus his people they believe that they are hurting and defeating jesus by doing this and so however jesus will only take so much and then he will come back and he will exact his vengeance upon the earth for the sins committed against his people Uh, another reason why jesus will bring judgment on the nations is because those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. This is from Revelation seventeen fourteen b That's the second half of the verse. Now, here we come to some interesting language. Called and chosen. Now, this is reminiscent. This is a reminiscent link back to what Jesus taught during his earthly ministry. So uh, Matthew 22, verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. The context of this verse is about the marriage feast of the king's son. At this wedding one comes to the feast but is not wearing the prescribed wedding garments and is thus thrown into the outer darkness. Many are called but few are chosen seems a rather contradictory if not paradoxical statement but actually it's not. In fact this verse Uh, redresses an important error in Protestant theology. The concept of once saved, always saved is simply not a thing in scripture. Anyone who looks at the Bible as a whole can genuinely see that once saved, always saved is just not a thing. There is a careful tension between God's finished work, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, linked together with the believer's obedience towards God and his covenant via love. James 2.24 states that we are saved by faith and works. This saved is not about being born again. Uh, This is what James is talking about. James, when he says saved by faith and works, he's not talking about saved. What we think saved is at the moment of being born again. You know, the moment that one gives their life to God. For obviously that is by faith alone. However, once that that person is born again, they then go into the process of being saved and thus need to live their lives according to God's word as best they can i.e get born again get baptized live a life of love and obedience to God and be a member of his church that is his mystical body upon the earth now many are called but not all are chosen being called is up to God but being chosen is down to us We have to continue to wear those wedding robes of righteousness that Jesus gives us and not stain our garments. And if we do cleanse them through forgiveness and true repentance. But if we choose to live um, lives our own way and not God's way and are really only Christian by name and not by practice, then although we are called, we invalidate being chosen. It's the place of faith, love and works that enables us to go from merely uh, being called to chosen. Again, some Protestants will protesteth at this, claiming we have to do nothing in respect to our salvation. But this is just a Protestant mindset and not actually a biblical one. Once you are born again, you and I have good works to do. These good works earn us rewards in the age to come, as well as aiding in our sanctification and calling in the present time. So in Second Timothy two, twenty to twenty six it talks about vessels being used for honourable use and dishonorable use. Yet, the, the, yet these verses clearly state that we have a choice. We can make ourselves a vessel for honourable work or unhonourable work, and that's down to us. Yes, we are called, but it's up to us to be chosen. So, coming back to this verse in Revelation about being called and chosen denotes those saints who are sold out for Jesus and do not compromise or fudge their faith, but love Him, obey Him, and are prepared to lay down their lives for Him. And it's here that Jesus at the end of days will punish those nations who are persecuting and butchering his people on a worldwide scale. After a certain point of many being martyred, Jesus will declare enough is enough and will take personal vengeance on those who try to destroy his bride to be. This will be the day of the Lord. The saints list, uh, listed in Revelation 17 verse 14 are the called, the chosen and the faithful. They were faithful because they loved Jesus and his commands and were faithful even unto death. Revelation 17:15 and he said to me the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So here we have another riddle being solved in the vision. The whore of Babylon sits in the water On the seven mountains and we have already looked at how the mountains are actually kings and not a geographical location here again we see that no geographical location is being shown rather that the sea the water upon which the horse sits represents a sea of people multitudes nations and languages these clues are being given to us so that we may understand vision metaphors so if water appears again in a vision we can better ascertain its meaning. So water represents many people groups. Horns is political powers and mountains powerful kings. Revelation 17:16. and the 10 horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. It seems here that God turns the hearts of the 10 kings and the beast against the whore of Babylon and they destroy her with fire. Looking forward into chapter 18, it looks like this great city gets, forgive me for saying napalmed or destroyed by a nuclear or atomic device, and the destruction is so severe that no one will ever try to go back and live there again. Now, let's check out some verses. Revelation eighteen eight. For this reason in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong verses 22 to 23 says, and the sound of harpists, and this is I think from following, following on from chapter 18, says, and the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer, and no craftsman or any craft will be found in you any longer, and the sound of the mill will not be heard in you any longer, and the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer, and the voice of of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer for your merchants were the great men of the earth because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery revelation 19 verses 2 to 3 because his judgments are true and righteous for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bond servants on her and a second time the that they that's the angels said hallelujah Her smoke rises up forever. This destruction of the whore of Babylon was planned by God, yet very, very cleverly, God used the beast to destroy his own empire. (laughs) This is old school judgment of God as seen in the Old Testament, where God raises up nations to destroy another nation. At this time, God uses the beast and his kings to destroy the heart of his own empire. The beast ends up destroying his own kingdom, his own power, and his own wealth. Crazy. <clears throat> Revelation 17 verses 16 to 18. And the 10 horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. So you can see it's the Antichrist and his 10 kings that will actually burn up Babylon with fire. It won't be God who do it directly, but God using these na- these kingdoms to destroy her. And it goes on to say, for God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. You'll note in verse 18, that's that last verse there, that it refers to the great city and one should pay attention to this for in the book of Revelation, it is really a tale of two cities, the city of Jerusalem and the city of Babylon. Jerusalem represents God's people and his kingdom, whereas Babylon represents man's rebellion against God and the empire of man. Ultimately, Jerusalem will be the ruling city of the nations, not Babylon. Then in the new heaven and the new earth, we have a new Jerusalem. The beautiful city of Jerusalem will eventually prevail over the nations. And that's the end of chapter 17 until chapter 18. I'll see you again next time. God bless you and see you soon. Bye-bye.